We are supported by Robbins Insurance, an independent insurance agency known for providing customized insurance policies, sound guidance, and attentive service. Robbins is also known for delivering exceptional coverage to Nashville's restaurants and bars. Whether it's a fryer fire that sets off the sprinkler system and leaves your restaurant sopping wet on a busy Saturday night, or it's a once-in-a-decade tornado that cuts off your electricity and subsequently spoils all the food in your walk-in, Robbins has seen it all. And they know how to create policies that'll get your business back on its feet as quickly as possible in the event a disaster strikes. Look, when it comes to insuring your restaurant, bar, brewery, bakery, grocery store, hotel, or whatever, you need someone who knows the industry, who understands your business, and who will create a policy that protects your space, your staff, and your concept. That's Robbins. Visit Robbins' website at robbinsins.com. That's R-O-B-I-N-S. INS.com to request your insurance consultation. Once again, that's robbinsins.com. We absolutely love partnering with Sharpier's Bakery. Aaron Moso has been selling bread, fresh baked bread, to locally owned and operated restaurants six days a week for 36 years. Yes, her father started the company 36 years ago and Aaron took it over. Uh, five years ago, and it is doing amazing things. I have so many guests that come in the studio that are like, I love Sharpies. They save me so much time, and the bread is so good. So we, uh, we've we got round buns, specialty round buns, dinner rolls, hoagies, baguettes. They do cheesecake. They do flourless chocolate torts. They do specialty loaf breads and regular loaf breads and boulies. Boulies? B-O-U-L-E-S? Sourdough, Long Tuscan, Wheat, Multigrain. They got everything. You should go check them out at sharpies.com. That is sharpies, C-H-A-R-P-I-E-R-S.com. Or you should give them a call at 615-356-0872. Supporting local is so damn important. And Aaron Moso and all of our friends over at Sharpies Bakery do that daily. Give her a call right now. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, the tastiest hour of talk in Music City. Now here's your host, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. We are powered by Gordon Food Service. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host, Happy Monday to you. Uh, hopefully you are not licking your wounds too bad after that just absolutely heartbreaking Titans loss yesterday to start the season to the uh, the Giants. The first time the Giants have won their first game in six years. So uh, that that's awesome. I'm glad we could give them that. That's really exciting. Uh, it is Sunday night. I'm putting this out, and I am uh, still a little heartbroken, so hopefully you are okay out there. We would like to send a big congratulations out to Memos in Mount Juliet. You, the people of Middle Tennessee, have chose Memos of 64 Mexican restaurants. They have been voted the best Mexican restaurant in the city. Holy cow. So they're throw, we're throwing a party there. They're, they're already doing a party. September the 16th is Mexican Independence Day. And they have all kinds of uh, fun things happening. There's going to be a band. There's going to be tables. I believe it's already sold out. So uh, you cannot go that night. I don't believe. 
But that doesn't mean that you can't just absolutely go in and spend all the time at Memos because they are, Katie and Memo Mario are amazing, amazing people. And I'm so excited that they won because they're uh, they're amazing. Their food is authentic. It's really, really good. And I cannot wait. They're going to be on the show this week. We're going to do a live episode with them. It's going to be a ton, a ton of fun. Today, speaking of a ton of fun, this, uh, I know this is one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. This today uh, was with a gentleman named Andrew Cook. And Andrew is the owner at the um, the Fox Bar and Cocktail Club. He also owns Elegy Coffee. And he's also the drummer for the band Dan and Shay. We talked uh, with Laura Untenberg a little while ago. Uh, she was on a podcast we did called The Gospel of Cocktail Podcast with Kayla Ellis. And if you want to learn a ton about the Fox uh, you can go back and listen to that episode with Laura. She was amazing. But this interview with Andrew was really him and I just, we talked a lot about music. We talked a lot about like 90s grunge and alternative famous people we've met, uh, famous drummers, what the role of a drummer is. How did you get to be the drummer for Dan and Shay? I was really fascinated with all of the the Dan and Shay drumming and all of that stuff. We did talk about the restaurant, however, but this was just a fun conversation and bit of a departure from what we normally talk about. And I kind of love that, right? Because you never know what you're going to get on this show. We like to do different things all the time. Like Talkin' Shift. We love Talkin' Shift. Uh, that is a new podcast. It's an old podcast. We have brought it back to life. It is going to be every single Sunday night from 9 to 11. I have found a host and you can hear it. I'm going to put the episode out on Wednesday. We're getting ready to record it live. Hopefully you saw the live notification because you follow us on Facebook and you follow us on YouTube, which is where the show will be broadcast live. It's going to come Sunday nights from 9 to 11. This is a call-in show, right? So the phone number is 615-852-6593. And what you can do is you can call that number and you can tell us your restaurant stories. Tell us all the crazy shit that you've been through. You can ask advice. So we're going to have our host, and then we are going to have special guests uh, that are going to be in studio, and you can call in and be like, hey, look, this happened. What do you guys think? Let's talk about it. And then we can ask advice from people that are out there, and you guys can all join the show. This is going to be fun. It's going to be interactive, and hopefully it's going to be entertaining and hopefully helpful. Right. Hopefully you can hear some uh, some really industry professionals. Uh, we can laugh. We can cry. We can tell stories. We can do all of the things. It's going to be great. So that is going to be Talking Shift Sunday nights, 9 to 11. And I think that's it. I think that's all my announcements. I do want to say that uh, I went out. I had a, like a viewing. You know, my wife's one of my wife's best friends. Her, her father passed away. I went to a viewing. And so we were kind of dressed up a little bit. And I said, let's go out to eat. Let's just go somewhere. My parents had the kids. And I said, let's just go to East Nashville. I love East Nashville. Let's just go to East Nashville. Let's figure it out. And so we're like, should we go? Where do you want to go? And I was like, that green chili burger, redhead stranger. That sounds great. Butcher a bee, pelican and pig, pearl diver. There's a million, there's, they're all over the place. And um, all of a sudden in my brain, I went, what about Lyra? Lyra, Lyra. I don't know how you say it. I say Lyra. What about Lara? I've never been to eat, and uh, I've been dying to try it. So we said, yeah, let's go. So we went there, and they were packed. <laughs> and they said, do you have a table for two? And they go, no. 
were packed. Uh, but they did have two seats at the bar, which we sauntered up to. And uh, Joey, big shout out to Joey, took fantastic care of us. Have you ever go to dinner and you kind of don't because it's Middle Eastern cuisine, right? And I don't typically eat Middle Eastern cuisine. Um, I have a Middle Eastern chef now who's doing really amazing stuff at Maribol, and I'm tasting a lot of stuff, but I wasn't really familiar with it. You ever go to a restaurant and you're kind of like, this is going to be cool. I don't know. But then you order some food and it just blows you away. Like the flavors, the the visual, like everything about it is just like, holy shit, I needed this meal and I want more. Every single course that we had was like that. The food came out. It was absolutely amazing. If you have not been there, you you got to go. Like, just make a reservation now. You've got to go over to Lyra. Go say hi to uh, Harant is the chef over there, and his wife, Liz, have been nice enough to join us on the show for the Music City Roundup. And I did talk to Harant while I was there, and he did commit to come on the show and talk about Lyra and the whole story behind it and kind of catch up with him. I met him a long time ago when he was uh, a chef at Amerigo. And in the treehouse, he's been kind of around, and now they've had Lyra for many years. And uh, I'm sad to say it was my first time. It will not be my last. I'll be back there many, many, many times. So that, I think, is my final announcement for the week. We will have this episode of Talk and Shift that we're going to do tonight. You can hear it Wednesday when we put it out. You can probably find it on our YouTube channel anytime starting Monday. Or hopefully you participated in it live on Sunday. And um, what else we got? Anything else? I think that's it. Uh Lots of episodes coming up. This one with Andrew Cook is fantastic. I got a show Friday coming out with Jim Taylor. We're talking with Randy Rayburn this week. Uh, Lots of fun stuff coming up, and I cannot wait to get all of this stuff out there to you. Thank you for listening. Please tell somebody about this show. I would love it if you would share this. Kind of say, hey, look, guys, you ever listen to Nashville Restaurant Radio? You should check it out. Let's build our listenership. I would like more servers, bartenders, restaurant managers, restaurant people. This is kind of a for us, by us show. So I would love if you'd let people know about it. So share it however you can. Subscribe wherever you listen to it. Subscribe to it. Go leave me a five-star review. Do something nice. I you know, I would be amazing. I would love to have more five-star reviews. I would love to have positive reviews. Uh, and go check out our website. Buy some merch. I got t-shirts for sale. Whatever you can do. We love it. We want to keep doing this for a long, long time. And uh, I need your support. As always, uh, you listening is plenty. And I love that. Thank you for listening, and uh, enjoy this interview with Andrew Cook. Crazy from time to time. I mean, uh, my girlfriend works as a, uh, at a server, as a server, excuse me, in town at a place that shall remain unnamed. And just the uh, <laughs> just the amount of crap that the average server deals with, and the kind of like just even gratuity alone you know you think that we've evolved to this point with eating and drinking in public that everybody knows the standards of like if you go out to eat you're supposed to take care of the people that serve you especially if they do a good job but just there's a baseline there yeah and and just knowing hearing from her how many people just don't tip at all or how many people tip a flat five dollars on whatever it's like it's almost i wonder like you know i don't like to rush to judgment on people or anything everybody's in different circumstances but you know if you're go if you're willfully engaging the act of going out to eat and participate in this experience you should be obliging by the unspoken social contract that is hey i'm going to do my part take care of you for taking care of me 
you know, and you wonder how much of it is just education. Like, do people really not know that that's what you're supposed to do? Or are people just, you know, do you th- cheap? <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's hard to say. I don't know. Like, I, I drove Uber for a little while. Like, I had a heart surgery in 2017. Oh, I had wow. An ablation. Not, not like a, it's just, an, I had AFib, so I had an ablation done. Okay. And I think with, with my copay, it was like three grand. And my dad is retired and drives Uber. And I told my mm-hmm. wife, I go, I really want to do that. Like yeah. I, I just, I love talking to people. I yeah. really want to do that. And so I started podcast research, driving Uber. <laughs> well, kind of, yeah. yeah. So I started driving, and I just I started talking to people, but people have no fucking clue what to do in an Uber. They'll call yeah. an Uber, and they're like, "We'll be out in like ten minutes, dude." And you're like, "That's not how no, this no, no, works." No, 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 no. You need to be ready when I yeah. get. The, I don't get paid to sit here and wait for you. And people yeah. just assume that you're just some hired help. And it's like, yeah. "Hey, man, I got it. This is my car, and I'm." I don't want to sit in your driveway and wait 10 minutes. Yep. And then they get in the car and like, oh, hey, man, thanks for waiting. Let's go. And then they don't tip you. And you're like, but this is this. I, I, there's there's yeah. a whole etiquette that I'm like, how do you teach people yeah. Uber etiquette? Like, yeah. be outside waiting for the car. And if you don't want to talk, say, hey, man, I really don't want to talk to you. Just yeah. But if you need recommendations from somewhere like there's, I don't know, there's a lot to it. There is, absolutely. And maybe it just comes down to general education for people and not knowing things. So it's like, where do you go to find out those things? Exactly. You know? Well, so I feel like we've already started the interview. But yeah, kind of, yeah. I will I will do a formal introduction. That's uh, kind of the mark of a good podcast. I feel like they, they you know, you don't even realize it started. It's like, and like, now here uh, we oh, are. We're just rolling. The gears are turning. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew, what is your last name? Cook. C-O-O-K. Andrew, yep. So I will formally say excited to welcome into studio andrew cook who is Hello. the proprietor of the fox bar and cocktail club yes you're also elegy coffee yes and you are a musician i am yes so you're a drummer for I what's am. that little band i've never heard of them before uh, what are they called some s- spunky young upstarts named dan and shay yep. oh i have heard of them <laughs> <laughs> the, wow yep so i've been uh with those guys um that's actually why I moved to Nashville uh, at the beginning of 2014. Uh, I'd known Dan from previous bands. I, I came from, you know, the sort of originally the Boston hardcore, post-hardcore scene. I'm from Massachusetts, as is my partner, Brian. Nice. Um, I came from that world and, you know, did a lot of touring over the years, starting in 2003. I'm really aging myself here, but starting in 2003, started touring full-time, played in a couple different bands. I had met Dan in a prior band. Uh, in kind of the pop punk world and we kept in touch a bit and you know he came here and the whole thing happened where he met Shay they started writing songs and it took off very quick and they got a deal and um, you know he said hey I was living in Los Angeles at the time and he said hey if you know you want to play drums or this thing it's yours you know come come out to Nashville and uh, hell yeah rip it with us and I was like yeah this sounds really promising I, you know I, I was admittedly a little discouraged after being in two bands for about five years apiece um, both of which I cared a lot about and you know was an active contributor to and both times being sort of on the precipice of quote-unquote making it or you know succeeding to the degree where oh like i don't have to get a job when i come home from you tour can make a living yeah. doing this yeah. yeah yeah and that was what it kind of always expired aspired to um and i'd gotten close and then you know had it kind of fall apart both times and so i was kind of of the mindset like i just wasn't going to do it anymore and chase it i was like oh, i'll play music for fun on my own or with my friends and i'll just focus my you know 
intentions elsewhere and i was i moved to la to pursue screenwriting actually and uh, was making art out there uh and got the call and i thought hey you know third time's a charm why not give it one more shot this seems like it's got a lot of uh a lot of the puzzle pieces are already in place and it doesn't seem like it'll take a lot to make it go. The talent was obviously there. I heard some of the songs and I heard Shay's voice and I was like, Oh gosh, like you can sing. Yeah. It's un- unbelievable, you know, and you different know, style than pop punk. Yeah, for sure. Even but, though we all come from that world, our whole band basically does except for Shay who came from an R and B background. But you know, as soon as I heard him sing and heard the songs, I was like, Oh, okay. This is this is dope. So now um, you're playing like sold out stadiums. Yeah, it's been it's been a fun <laughs> ride. Yeah, we just finished um, doing direct support for Kenny Chesney for the better half of the year so far, and so you're on tour with Old Dominion, Old Dominion, and yeah. Carly, and Pierce, Carly Pierce, Dan and Shay, and, uh, and Kenny, Kenny Chesney. Chesney. Yep, you so, just finished up in Boston. Is that yes? That's my my hometown show. So you did know, you just do it, or is it coming up? We just did it okay, this past weekend. Did we did two nights back to back at Gillette Stadium, home of the Best team in the NFL, New England Ouch. Patriots. Oh, I'm so Look sorry. I'm guy. so sorry. Uh, I know, I know, I know. But, you know, I grew up in Western Mass. Uh, my partner, Brian, who I own Fox and Elegy with, he's okay. from Dudley Mass. Nice. Uh, more like Central Eastern Mass. So we got a, a deep mass hole connection there, you know. Uh, <laughs> although, surprisingly, he's a Chiefs fan. So you have to talk to him about that another time. But That is interesting. Um, I, I Look, I have a mad respect for the Patriots and Bill Belichick. I heard Bill Belichick speak, actually, a few months ago. Oh, cool. At the Restaurant Leadership Conference. He came Interesting. Out blown away by that guy i mean yeah. he's an absolute leader in all sense of the world yeah and then i'm i'm one of those people who loves tom brady mm-hmm. everybody in the world hate a smart man <laughs> well i i like greatness yeah you know yeah, i think absolutely. people that excel to that level i'm like dude no teach me i want to see yeah. what you do i don't hate because they're better than me like i am a yeah. absolute like no tom brady the you have cool, to respect it. The you ice know? water it's, in his veins is incredible. How he stays yeah. cool under fire and what yeah. he's able to. He's 45 years old. I know. I, I mean, it's it's astounding. It, you, you have to respect it. And I feel that way about athletes and other sports that aren't Boston players. And, it, you know, it's funny living through that whole era where it was Brady and Manning and the constant debate, like, who's better? Who's going to have the bigger legacy and all that? And then I was always a homer. So I was like, yeah, Brady, you know. Well, but you, you, you have to. Yeah. And now obviously it's a no brainer, but you know, when you look at it, say, you know, I'm a big Celtics fan, right? We obviously just lost the title to the Warriors, which is heartbreaking. But when you look at a guy like Steph Curry, he's, he's a Tom Brady level athlete in my mind in terms of like how he's changed the sport. Yeah. Um, he literally has changed the way basketball is played. And when you're playing somebody like that, you want to almost like like when it's Celtics Lakers, you're like, oh, I hate the Lakers. It's so easy to root against them. You know, even like I hated Kobe when he was playing, but like I didn't hate Kobe. I hated like the Lakers and that he was such a great player so on the Lakers. It was the same way that I hated Jeter and A-Rod when they played. And then when you take a step back from like a macro sense, you look at it and you go, well, those guys are great. And Steph Curry, you can't hate him. Like, you, you know, and I'm using the term hate quite flippantly. I don't really mean hatred, obviously. Well, I mean, in a sports haters. rooting fandom sense, yeah. you know, where you're like rooting against people, you know, like it's so hard to root against Steph Curry. He's so likable and so good. You know, I, there's, I think Tom Brady's probably easier to root against than, than Steph Curry in a way. Well, because but, he's a, he's like in a, he's like a super model yeah and he's married it's like to what can't you the do supermodel <laughs> yeah. and you're like i yeah. i don't know i respect that i'm i'm more envious 
yeah. of Tom Brady, yeah. and I want to like study Tom Brady. And <laughs> yeah. be like, what did this guy Should do? Replicate him in a lab. Yeah, you know? I mean, like, I don't know. I, I don't. There's no room for hate, and no. for me personally, yeah. I just look at those guys and I go, man, the work ethic yep. it must take to achieve that level. I mean, those kids didn't have normal lives when they were kids. They no. shot baskets all day long. Tom Brady, yeah. I mean, it's like Tiger know. with golf. You know, yeah. I mean, he just golfed way more than the average guy uh, at every phase of his life. Studied way harder, and he was freakishly gifted naturally. So when you combine all those things, it's like, wow, what can't you do? You know, there's too much, too much positive things going on in life to start hating people you can't yeah. change any of it yeah like no, it doesn't exactly. matter what i feel yeah. about you like i'm just gonna i was i was hoping i went to the titans game against the buccaneers a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. and i was like god i just want to see tom brady yeah i yeah. just want to be like in the same building is that weird no no i just want to see like the number 12 down there somehow yeah. like there's tom brady i'm in the same room is the yeah guy. i i love stuff like that you know it's i'm a i'm a huge soccer fan as well i'm a big liverpool supporter okay um which liverpool's owned by fsg the company that owns red Sox as well and lebron is invested in that as well but you know i'm the same way with jurgen klopp the manager of liverpool i've just you know in awe of him and i went over there and went to a few games earlier this year and just like being a few rows behind him and just like watching all those players that i've only seen on tv for so many years it's just an incredible experience and you know being somebody it's who's like a traveling musician or full-time musician for a living we're fortunate enough to meet a lot of athletes and you know we had a great time on this last chesney run meeting so many of the football players that were coming out to their home stadium and coming to the shows and hanging out with us at the buses and that was like such a trip for a lot of us because a lot of us are really big sports fans and then you realize those guys are music fans fans the way that we're sports fans because like they can't do what we do and we are you know musicians you know we struggle with a lot of imposter syndrome a lot i think like all creatives do and we don't give ourselves enough credit for what we do a lot of times and then you realize oh these guys who are at the top of their field look at us at the top of our field and go oh man wouldn't it be cool to do that the same way i imagine like gosh can you imagine like you know catching a pass from tom brady or something like that i know. You know like it's it's incredible so it's pretty fun to be in that environment and you know, see and meet some of those guys. And it's, it's super cool for me. That's like one of my favorite things about touring with Dan and Shay and those experiences that you get, because, you know, I wouldn't get those any other way. <laughs> no. What was that tour like? I mean, cause I, I listened to the highway and I, I've, mm-hmm. I quit drinking two and a half years ago. And cool. one of the things that I did, and this is weird, I don't know why, but there's triggers that you have yep. when you drink. And I listen to, I'm like a 90s alternative grunge. Oh, yes. But I listen to now we're all talking. kinds of stuff. Yeah. But I, uh, I almost I, wore my STP purple shirt. That's oh. one of my favorite records of all time. I wear that shirt like three days a week. So. I, I found, I was one of the early adopters on STP. Yes. I was listening to K-Rock in California. Yep, yep. And I would listen to K-Rock and they were playing plush and all these things way early than yeah. anybody in Nashville. And I came back to Nashville and I was like, Dude, this band like they're they're no good, and I was like, no, they're gonna be amazing. And I had core of the album, and yeah, people just, wrote them off like crazy like when, when that, they first started. That first record came out, <sighs> and they were like, oh, they're ripping off Pearl Jam, they're ripping off Led Zeppelin, whoever. And still in their debut record, and it sold eight plus million copies in the U.S. It did great, obviously, but it's crazy when you look back at bands that have built a legacy, and you realize people were just writing them off. I think people did it to Aerosmith when they started too. 
You know, like really, there's there's always going to be people that say like, oh, this is just derivative of this because they're you know they want to write things off because for some reason that's human nature. But well, there was a lot of those. I mean, early '90s, yeah. you had like, did you? I, I saw a fact the other day that was like, never mind. Ten super unknown and Siamese dream were all yeah. released within yeah. 45 days of each other, yeah. and you're like. What the early nineties, man? It's crazy. It's like Gosh. it's like the ninety four, the the movie year where you had like, you know, I don't know, Pulp Forrest Fiction, Gump. Forrest Gump, Pulp. Jurassic Park, um, and Shawshank Redemption, maybe. It, uh, which, but Forrest Gump won the best actor, won the best yeah. picture, but it beat Pulp Fiction and yeah. um, and Shawshank Redemption, yeah. and I think Jurassic Park, and it's like, yeah, what a crazy what? year for movies. Yeah, I think '94 is probably the the best year for movies. But yeah, it's funny. I actually I listened to Nevermind the day before yesterday, front to back, for the first time in a while, because I was talking to my buddy Scott about it. Is we we both share the same favorite Nirvana song, which is "Breed" for me, and he sent me a video of them playing at a festival, and it was 30 years ago exactly to the day. And I was like, God, I can't believe. That was 30 years ago. That's truly astounding. And I got chills. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Thinking isn't about that crazy? I listened to it's funny you say that because I washed my car last week and mm-hmm. I listened to In Utero. Oh, nice. From beginning to yep. end. And there's something raw about that album. Yeah. That just gets me going. Like mm-hmm. it reminds me of being 16 years old and yeah. angry. Yeah. And I listen and there's just some there's just some raw angst to that album. Yeah. That just speaks to my heart. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Isn't it great that you can still feel that though? That's the best thing about music. I think is that it it can pin you to a time and a place. And if you have an experience tied to a record or a song, you never forget it. Like a really distinct, indelible visceral. one. You know, it's a totally visceral thing. Like my my best friend and I, we've been really close since we were really little kids. Uh, Nick is his name, and we we share a lot of musical tastes and you know when we were younger we got really into stp obsessed you know we were super obsessed with smashing pumpkins and then of course like you know the corn lip biscuit all that stuff and rage was a real life changer for me but i remember distinctly like you know we used to play magic the gathering when we were in middle school and like we would hang out after school at his parents house and we would listen to like siamese dream and whenever i hear the the little like build up to cherub rock yeah like and then that little that, background you think yeah. the distortion <laughs> kicks in <laughs> yes. like it just makes me feel like i'm in that moment in that headspace again it, and it brings me these like really like happy emotions you know and it's like not that one specifically isn't like a singular moment it's just a feeling of an era and i love that that's that's what the best thing about music to me is just you know and sometimes it can be for better or for worse, sometimes you have songs that you can't listen to because they remind you of a person or a breakup or a tough moment, you know, and well, that's just goes to show you how powerful it is. That's why I started listening to country music ah, is because nice. my whole life I, I um, was driving Uber and I had Stormy Warren in the car with me, mm-hmm. Stormy Warren from the highway, Stormy Warren show in the morning. Yep. And I told him, I said, I don't like country music. It's like oysters to me. And I go, Every time I go anywhere there's oysters, I'm like, ah, give yeah. me an oyster. I'll give it a shot. <laughs> Every time I'm like, I just don't like it. And that's the way I'm with country music. And he goes, listen to country music for 10 days straight and tell me what you think after yeah. that. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. So listen to the highway for 10 days. And it was different for me because the, the songwriting is wonderful. And I love some of the stories that are out there. But I didn't have 
any previous association. Yeah, that that's didn't interesting. Didn't do anything. So me post drinking, there was zero triggers to anything. And I'm listening to Luke Combs one, two, three. You know, I can't have yeah. too many drinks, or that's why we drank. You know, it's Mondays, Tuesdays. There's all these songs. A lot about of drinking, drinking songs, man. <laughs> but it didn't do anything to me because I've never drank with those that music. Yeah. So it's like a whole that's interesting. Me post drinking, like, and I love country music now. Yeah, yeah. And I dig these songs like Dan and Shay's Tequila. Like, yeah. I, I get. Like the words, the song, like, but when I taste tequila, like I get it. Like, and it's yeah. so well done. And I, I love that song. But awesome. I will tell you, you mentioned Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, Billy Corgan came into the restaurant a couple no, months ago. No kidding. Into Greenhouse Grill. And I'm standing at the front door and he comes in with uh, Hillary Williams. And I'm sitting there. I was like, that dude looks like Billy Corgan. <laughs> yeah. And I'm start, I start shaking, right? Because yeah, I mean, yeah. this is. This is guy, not. Yeah. This is not big and rich in the restaurant. I mean, there, right. there's some. St you see a lot see of people, a lot of Nashville guys, Reba's around. in or whatever. Like yeah. I see a lot of these guys in the restaurant. I'm like, oh, that's cool. But like, no, this is Billy Corgan. Like this is. Yeah, that's the guy. This is the guy that wrote "Bullet with Butterfly Wings" and like "Soma" and yeah, "Porcelina of the Vast yeah. Blue Ocean Seas," and you're just going. And so I, I, I said, I'll, I'll seat that table. And he's wearing a shirt that says zero on it. And I'm oh, like, he was wearing a zero he's shirt? He was wearing the That's zero That's like what I jacket. picture in my mind. That's so funny. He's wearing the zero jacket. And uh, so I sit him down. And I'm like, hey, I don't do this. And I we get lots of people in here. But like, you got me through so much of my teenage. I don't, yeah. I don't know how to even say this, but like you're one of my heroes and I just want to shake your hand. He's like, no man, thank you so much. That yeah, means a lot. So and, cool. and now I just bought tickets to go see him on October the mm -hmm. 10th with Jane's addiction. Oh wow. They're playing Nashville, Bridgestone arena, October no, 10th with Jane's addiction. So I'm like, that will be great. Yeah, yeah. that will be really great. I, I remember getting the zero shirt when I was in middle school. I actually saw the video for uh, butterfly wings on MTV two before school one morning. And I was just like, my world was rocked by it obviously. And I couldn't stop thinking about it all day. And then I would just like leave MTV two on and wait for it to come on again. And then bought the record and, I got the shirt and then I wanted to have like silver pants like Billy Corgan had. Like he had those like silver yeah. leather like oh, stretchy yeah. pants. So I, my dad came down. I was in the garage one day and I was spray painting a pair of my jeans silver with spray paint. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I was like, don't worry about it. Trying to look like Billy Corgan. Leave yeah, me alone. I mean, come on. <laughs> That's fantastic. But yeah. I, it's funny the things you remember though. Like, you know, I, I was fortunate enough uh, when I was young, my parents let me go to a lot of shows, you know, not too early on, but, you know, my, my first show that I went to kind of independently that my brother took me to was Local H when they first started blowing up. And then, you know, I saw STP when they were touring on Tiny Music when that first came out. They played Never them. saw them live. Dude. Oh, it Never was, did. It was incredible. They, um, it was, yeah, right after Tiny Music came out, it was at the Mullen Center at UMass. And I'll never forget. Speaking of actually silver pants, I, I mean, my 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 brain could be warping this memory into a, a better narrative at this point in life. It's been so long, but I remember Scott Weiland coming out and having um, like shiny leather pants on, like that, no shirt, and he had a big blonde afro wig, and he had a megaphone, and he came out and he did that. I ah, am yeah. smelling like, that, like yeah. a rose. I know, and I knew exactly what yeah, you were going to do there. That's how they started, it. and I was just like losing my mind as Dead a kid and, bloated. You know? and then they went on a um, hiatus after that tour if i remember correctly for quite a long time um 
And then I, I randomly saw them again. A friend of mine, Noel, who sings for Fits in the Tantrums, they were doing the uh, the weenie roast. But I was, the K-Rock weenie yeah, roast. Yeah, the yeah, the K-Rock weenie roast, yep. Um, this was right before I moved here. I think it was 2012 maybe. Um, so I went to that, and I had an, uh, a couple friends involved in it. Like my friend, my old roommate, was mixing 30 Seconds to Mars at the time. And so the reason I stayed is because, like, 30 Seconds to Mars was supposed to play next. I think they were headlining that I went to, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to stay and, like, hear a few songs. I wanted to hear the mix because, you know, my buddy was mixing them. And because I stuck around to see that, before they were doing the rotating stage thing. And, uh, you know, the stage did the turnaround thing, and I was like, that's not 30 seconds, like, stage set up. That's not their gear. I don't know what's going on. And everything was, like, completely dark on stage. And then you started to hear the, like, the Vaseline riff, and I was like, no, shit. And so they can't, and it was SDP, surprise guest with Chester singing, because this was after Scott passed away. Chester. Uh, Chester uh, Bankton, who, uh, RIP as well, you know, great dude and frontman, but he crushed it and i like usually when you see stuff like that you know bands chills again yeah I'm just dude, sitting i just got chills he, hearing like i'm so jealous he did such a good job he you know i'm actually not sure i i'd have to look it up but i maybe scott was still alive at the time i don't really remember i know he wasn't in the band anymore and chester was in the band but like the way he was moving i feel like i remember myself thinking is that scott like he was doing like the weird like snake like yeah. dance moves and it was just incredible. and he sounded so good he sounded like scott but like him as well you know like himself rather and it was just so cool to see um because, you know, now I can, like, sort of bookmark my experiences with SDB fandom from that childhood show to that point. And when we were actually out at the ACMs earlier this year, oh, I'm sorry, not the ACMs, it was the Billboard Awards. Um, we performed on them, and afterwards we were at a bar in um, in uh, MGM where we were staying, where the awards are. Randomly met this guy who came up, super nice dude, he and his wife. Um, just wanted to compliment us on the performance and we ended up like sharing a cigar and a drink and uh, he used to be SDP's tour manager for like I don't know 15 years or something like that and so I was like okay how much time you got let me bend your ears I was just like yeah uh, asking for you know war stories from the road about what it was like to be with them in their prime and all that it was a really cool serendipitous experience but yeah i mean we could probably do a whole other two-hour podcast just about 90s rock and grunge bands i'm all about it (laughs) i think we should definitely do that because i could talk about that stuff i will tell you in 1994 uh, and i'm gonna go into another drummer um that you i don't know if you got to meet or didn't get to meet but taylor hawkins never got to meet him sadly i saw the food fighters four times Oh, wow. And I saw them on their original, the ori- maybe it was like their fifth show ever that they ever oh, did. Oh, no kidding. At 328 Performance Hall. I don't know if you ever heard of that. No. So that, that, little- that would have been with the Sunny Day drummer, right? If it was like it one was, of their Yeah, first- he wasn't there that day. It was a different drummer. Um, yeah, because the, the original drummer was the drummer from Sunny Day Real Estate, Estate, where Nate, the bass player, also came from. And he was, you know, he recorded, I'm sure you saw the doc, like he recorded the first record and then Dave re-recorded the drums himself. Yes. Well, I... I got the book, The Storyteller, right there. Oh, Have you read yeah. Dave Grohl's book yet? I haven't. Dude. I, I, I need to. Yeah. You really? I, I love Dave. He's an all-time idol. Have you got For to meet him? For all us drummers that want to be lead singers, 
See, I haven't, and it's devastating because I've gotten to meet so many of my heroes, thankfully. Uh, and I have like all of my friends in music that care about Nirvana and Foo Fighters have met him and have unbelievable experiences. Stories that he's like the best dude in the world. Everybody's got a great story about him, you know? And I'm just like, God, if I know that, like, if I came across him that, you know, I could find myself in a half hour conversation with him, just talking about like old hardcore punk bands or whatever, or drums or, you know, it just seems like he's so genuine and just loves what he does so much. And there's no inauthenticity to it. And, I, I love that, you know. He's, throughout the entire book, that's all he talks about is people he gets to meet and how yeah. cool his life is. Yeah. And he's just like, I'm just so he, yeah. grateful that I get to do this. He tells a story where he's in his house and um, Paul McCartney comes over to his house to have <laughs> dinner. He goes, and I'm like wow. sitting here, I'm like, holy shit, Paul McCartney's in my home. He goes, and before we leave, before he's leaving, he's coming over to congratulate. We, ch- we had a new baby and he came over to meet the new baby. Yep. And, uh, and I, he has another daughter. And I forget his name. Her name is maybe Grace. I don't know his oldest daughter's name. He goes, but Paul's walking out and he sees my piano and he goes, oh, you have a piano. And he said, yes. He goes, he brings his youngest daughter over to the piano and they're playing Hey Jude. To, yeah. He's teaching her <laughs> Hey Jude. Yeah. He goes, and I just sat there. I'm looking at this piano going, holy shit. Like Paul McCartney's in my house playing, playing hey Jude hey Jude with my piano. daughter <laughs> Come on. and i'm just going yeah no i mean he's in the same thing like he's yeah. not just this yeah that's a thing like he every genuine moment i got to meet him that tour it was mike watt um ball hogger tugboat mm-hmm. album and eddie vetter was there too oh, cool. the same night and then his wife was the lead singer of a band called uh, hovercraft but they, i met dave before the show mm-hmm. and he said hey i'll sign your guitar after the show and then after the show, there's thousands of people there. Everybody's realized who's there now. And he gets out of the show, and there's like 50 people hanging out. Dave, sign this, sign this. Yeah. And I'm kind of standing off to the side. My car's parked right behind the venue. And he goes, hey, man, where's your guitar? And he like points at me. He's like, where's your guitar? And I'm like, uh, it's in my car. And he, excuse me, like leaves all the people, walks over, sits down in my 1989 Nissan Sentra, and grabs guitar, signs all my best, Dave Grohl, and goes, hey, did you enjoy the show? And I was like, it was amazing yeah. like yes it was great and he's like anything else i can do for you thanks for being a fan and i was like that's so no. good. i'm like <laughs> i'm like 16 years old dave yeah. Grohl sitting Losing in my car yeah. signing my guitar left big group people big group he's like no 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 i promised this kid i'd sign his guitar so he just left and did it and i was oh, like oh man what a guy that's incredible there's so many stories like that he's just one of those dudes that yeah i don't know yeah he's gonna have that legacy is just like the nicest guy in rock since you are a rock guy, how often do you get told that you look like Josh from Queens of the Stone Age? Do people ever tell I, you that? No, I really? don't. I don't get that at all. I get oh. like Craig Kilborn or like Bobby Flay because oh. I'm in like the restaurant the Craig, world. The Craig Kilborn thing I could see a little bit. Bobby Flay not so much, but you remind me. It's probably your stature too, but I, I feel like you kind of look like you could be brothers or something. I'm going to have to Google him and be like, yeah. okay, is he a drummer? Uh, no, the, the singer of Queens the singer of the Stone Age, Josh, Josh Home. H-O-M-M-E. I, some people say homie or home. I don't know, but. Well, yeah. I'll have to check it out. I don't yeah. get that. So yeah. that's a, that's a, thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. He's a pretty cool looking dude. Okay. Well, there you so, go. Yeah. Yes. So this is Nashville restaurant radio. Yeah. And we could. <laughs> Not Nashville grunge rock radio. <laughs> but it's fine. I think people get tired of me talking about the same yeah. old shit every yeah. week. Like, oh, it's another restaurant guy. How'd you do it? Um, you are, so you, you, you've, 
obviously your music history is what you do. Yeah. And then you're also an artist and then yep. you have the Fox bar and cocktail. How did that come to play? Like, how do you begin to open a, own a bar? Yeah. I've, so I, I've always, I felt like been pretty entrepreneurial and pretty industrious and just kind of like the type of person where, you know, if I get an idea about something I want to do, I just try to do it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, you know? What's You're a visionary. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't say that about myself, but like, hopefully, one day, maybe somebody will say that about me. That'd be cool. But. Uh, but you're a creator. I mean, yeah, you're, you're, yeah. you're constantly looking towards future ideas happen yeah. all the time. You probably drop the ball a lot of little yeah, things. and then, Absolutely. You get plenty of ideas that don't work. You yeah. throw enough stuff at the wall, certain things aren't going to stick. But some that's things the, do stick. Yeah, some great. things do stick. Yeah. And that's the fun of life for me is just making things. So I always, when, you know, talking to my, my partners with hospitality ventures or really anything creative, I just say, like, my goal in life is I want to make cool shit with people I like. That's really what it's all about. Hell yeah. Um, you know, early on, I started working pretty young in life and my parents instilled a pretty good work ethic in me. And I worked two jobs when I was in high school quite a bit, um, you know, and not fun jobs as well. Like I worked at CVS for a while, which is if you ever work at CVS during a holiday season, that is like the ninth circle of hell. <laughs> <laughs> that only Dante could dream of. And, uh, you know, I was doing that and I was working at a, a pub in my hometown, which is kind of where I got my start learning about food and Bev and stuff and ended up with my buddy Nate kind of running the kitchen there. And we were 17, 18 years old, and nothing fancy, like making pizzas and calzones and pub food and stuff, but got a taste of like responsibility at sure. a young age of like, okay, it's all on you. Like, you know, you better, you know, show up and do your job or else things are going to fall apart. This business that's not yours, you know? <laughs> um, so started that early on. And then obviously the, there's a huge overlap um, with people that try to play music for a living in the service industry, because it's a really good flexible job typically uh, where you can work when you come home from tours and, you know, a lot of times the environment of the service industry is really um, encouraging for, about people pursuing things like that for the most part, sometimes not, but you know, in general, I've found that like it's been pretty hospitable to people that want to do creative things with their lives. And you well, know, especially behind the bar yeah, behind or the even bar chefs. Too, yeah. I meet chefs all the time that I'm like, or I interview musicians and I'm yeah. like creating music is very similar to creating a dish. Yeah. You're, composing something you're putting it together then you're and then you're putting it out there for the public to consume and there's a vulnerable yeah. process to do that oh and, for I mean, sure both sides they kind of are, are similar yeah you're putting yourself out there to be judged by people that don't know you you know the yeah. people that might take one bite the same way that people take a 30 second listen to a song go now nah, that sucks and you're like oh oh it sucks sorry you're gonna you put know? fig and prosciutto together yeah. that's not gonna work yeah like, well, and much try like it. yeah totally it, much like uh music i think food you know you have certain sets of parameters depending on what type of restaurant you're working in. And, and just like with a guitar or piano, there's only a certain amount of notes in a scale, but people find ways to reinvent it all the time. And same thing with food and bev. There's so many spirits. There's so many aperitifs and liqueurs and things that you can play around with, but like people still find ways to innovate just like they do in music and they always will. And that's, what's really cool about both industries. And I think that they um, jive really well together. And, you know, and just in terms of like how I got from A to B, I guess, just over the years, um, like I mentioned earlier, in those first couple bands I played in, 
you know, touring for the better part of 10 years, I was working a lot of restaurant and bar jobs in between to make ends meet because I wasn't making money on the road. I was going out doing the labor of love thing, but coming home broke and going, okay, now I got to make money. Um, So I was working in bars and restaurants. And after doing that for quite a long time, you know, I just got the thought in my head, man, like, you know, some of these people I work for are really cool and uh, smart and industrious people. And some of them are idiots, you know, and like, it's kind of like the world in general, I guess, you know, it's like you get a big enough sample size, you're going to have a healthy mix of both. But I thought, man, like some of these people that I wasn't super fond of were running, you know, good places or, you know, successful bars or restaurants, I thought, yeah, why, why not? You know, why, why, why not me? Like I just, it's never something I fancied being able to do on my own. And it was sort of a serendipitous thing. I, I went home to Massachusetts for a holiday break and I got together with Brian, my business partner and his wife, Lindsay, who were living up in Worcester at the time. And Brian used to run the drum company that I played for, for a number of years. And, uh, you know, he had left and we were basically just one of those serendipitous things where we got together for a meal. We hadn't seen each other in a year or two. We're just kind of catching up on life around the holidays saying like, what's next, you know, and he's trying to figure out what's next for him. And they were asking what it was like down in Nashville. And I said, yeah, I just, I've been touring with this band. I was like a year into Dan and Shay at the time. I was like, I think I want to start a business though. I've been working on a business plan for a bar. And he said, oh man, that's like one of my life goals. I've always wanted to own a bar. I said, well, you know, if you guys find yourselves in Nashville, let me know. Cause uh, you know, I've always really respected his work ethic and the way he ran the drum company. Um, and just, you know, always really liked him as a person and his wife. And so, you know, it was somewhat flippant at the time, but I was just like, Hey, let me know if you come to Nashville and, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about it. And, you know, that sort of registered with them, I think. And, you know, they decided, Hey, we're going to make a change. We want to get out of Worcester. And they let me know, Hey, we're going to sell our house and come down to Nashville. If you're serious about wanting to do this bar thing. And I said, absolutely. So while they worked on selling their house, we worked on the business plan and kind of, you know, it was one of the more exciting times of my life, I would say, kind of figuring it all out, like, uh, like owning the bar and watching it succeed has been great. And I'm really proud of what we've done. But the time leading up to it, like, because we had a totally different name and concept, we were playing around with a whole bunch of ideas, you know, it's like when you're starting a band, and you're like, man, we really like playing these breakdowns. But then we also like this, like synth wave pop stuff, too. And like, you know, you're trying to figure out where to go with it. If you if you like a lot of different things, well, there's a million different ways yeah. you can go. And ultimately, you got to narrow it down. Because if you open up a, a hodgepodge place, like it's going to have no identity, right? And it's going to sort of be this, this jumbled, chaotic well, people need to know what Thing. they're going yeah, to expect. Exactly, exactly. I have Nashville restaurant radio. It's not yeah. conversations with Brandon. Like, what are yeah, you going to get? But yeah. I kind of like to do that yeah. anyway. I like Talk that it goes outside. Rock the, for 30 minutes. and Yeah, I'm, I'm all about that. So, you know, we, uh, yeah, we just kind of went for it. We uh, found the space, thanks to Danny from Nicoletto's, who pointed us in the direction. He's like, hey, there's this little dingy storage space that is not even trying to be rented, but it could be something cool if you put a lot of love into it. So we thought, hey, that sounds like it's right up our alley because we're really big into adaptive reuse stuff. So, yeah, yeah uh, we just kind of went for it and didn't know what we were doing, as I think most people don't when they start things. And if they tell you they do, they're probably lying. But you figure it out as you go, right? And hopefully the lessons that you learn, the hard lessons that you learn aren't so hard that they bury you. And, you know, 
the good lessons that you learn encourage you and keep you going and you learn and evolve. And I think with the Fox specifically, you know, we're coming up on our five year anniversary, which is pretty insane. Just congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Fantastic. Yeah. We're really, we're really happy that we made it this far, you know, and it's been a lot of trial and error and just sort of like fine tuning, you know, you never want to get complacent, um, no. or think that you figured it all out. You know, you always want to try to create a better experience for people and fine tune what you offer and how you offer it, you know? So we took that and we sort of parlayed that into elegy during the, the pandemic. When we decided to open that, we were actually working on a, a bigger space to do another bar concept and a bigger version of elegy. That was a much more like aggressive, um, approach and concept. Um, and then the pandemic happened and obviously like, you know, a lot of people lost a lot of funding for a lot of things and it just sort yeah. of became a, Oh no, like we're not going to be able to do this right now. So we had to pivot and you know, that space was available where we ended up putting elegy and it was super small and approachable and fortunately pandemic friendly. We decided to do the takeout window, which uh, ended up being a great, you know, stroke of luck and perfect. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we just kind of, applied the things that we had learned from the Fox to, to coffee. Cause we're, you know, really what'd you learn from the Fox? What are some of those, you say, what are some of those things that you learned from the Fox that you're fortuitous to learn and grow and like, well, we're, what just to, yeah, I think for me specifically, like as the creative side of the partnership, like the person that does the visuals and the branding and the menu and all that is just to like, to check your ego a bit and learn to listen to people and trust people and that, you know, you put people in positions of power and positions to succeed. You got to, you know, if you trust them to be in that position in the first place, you got to kind of let them cook and, and um, let them do what they do and, and never assume that you have everything figured out, you know, and I'm very let fortunate. Let go of the vine, so to speak. Yeah. Totally. I'm very fortunate too with my partnership with Brian because it's a friendship and a partnership, but we, you know, we're very different people. We have different tastes in a lot of things. We have different tastes creatively, but we always find a way to meet in the middle and we talk through things a lot and we fight about things, but it's always like from a place of mutual respect and a shared goal, you know, and that's a, that, right there like that whole thing has been one of the greatest learning experiences for me it's actually helped me I think become a better person like the way I've like dealt with conflict with him because it is not like conflict conflict it's just like decision making stuff in business you know and we like we call it healthy conflict healthy conflict that's what yeah. we and we encourage it yeah yeah and it's you know a lot of people shy away from that and run from it and I've never been the kind of person in my life to run toward conflict by any means but it's like you know you want to stand up for your opinion and what you think about something, but you also need to be flexible and open-minded and listen to what somebody else has to say and know that like maybe neither of you are a hundred percent right, but maybe there's somewhere in between where both sides land. That's like better than, you know, it's sort of like the sum of its parts thing, you know? And I think that that's worked out really well for us over, over the years. Do you um, know why that works out well? I can tell you. Tell me. Um, because you trust each other. Yeah. There you because go. just like any relationship, right? Well, trust. It's the number one thing that people in business, they don't fight the right way. There isn't healthy conflict because yeah. there's politicking and there's no, I don't trust what you're doing 
It's for the 100% benefit of the business. Right. I feel like you're doing something because you're personally invested and you want an angle and then you lose that level of trust. And when you trust yeah. somebody completely, when you have a, dude, I trust you with everything, yeah. then you can disagree with me all day long because the ultimate goal I know that you want what's best for the business and you know that I want what's best for the business. Yeah. It's absolutely okay for us to have different opinions. Let's talk it out. Yeah, but at the end really of the day, point. it's not... I don't like you and I think you're trying to go behind me to politic when you have that level of trust fighting is just it's it's more of a disagreement but yeah it's very free find common ground because I didn't think about it that way you're right good job mm -hmm. you don't have that thing in the back of your mind you're wondering what their real intention is yeah no because you trust each other that's a really good point and it definitely rings true for me I mean there's nobody I trust in the world more than him to be honest and like you know, I often don't really dwell on that, but it's true and it allows us to do what we do. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun ride so far, you know, super excited about the way things are going and sort of the um, footprint we've created with the Fox and the one that's growing with Elegy and got the new shop opening soon in Germantown, which is a, a big step for us. The so new Elegy? New Elegy. Going yeah. in Germantown? Yep, yep. Nice. So opening in the uh, the Griff building, which is where like the Optimist is. Yeah. Um, so we'll be right next to the Optimist. Um, should be open in the next month, ideally. So, well, that's um, exciting. Yeah, super pumped about that. I love Germantown. It's probably my favorite yeah, neighborhood. Too. In, I mean, I love East Nashville. All over East Nashville is great yeah. too, but like germantown is just such a neat vibe there yeah and, it's oh, very it's distinct too great it's like food. its own world great great restaurants mm. most of my favorite restaurants are in germantown i feel like what are some of your favorite restaurants where do you like to go yeah. eat so actually my number one favorite restaurant in town currently is not in germantown it's in 12 south and that's locust okay locust well, is my favorite there you go yep what um, about locust do you love I love, I love it for a bunch of different reasons. Yeah, there's a bunch of different reasons for me too. The food, first and foremost, that has to be the the main reason. The food you know? is fantastic. The food is just fantastic, innovative. and unique, and fresh, and innovative. Um, the the vibe is relaxed. Like you don't have to put up with a bunch of bougie bullshit to nope. like go have an incredible dining experience. Because I've been in way more stuffy atmospheres and paid four times as much to have food that's half as good. 100%. And that's like the thing that I just loathe so much is like when we started the bar, we were like, let's be an upscale high-end cocktail bar with elevated drinks, but like no pretentious BS attitude, like yeah. no condescending bartenders. Cause we've all encountered those people, you know, coffee's the same way. And you know, we don't want to be the the coffee shop with the staff that like wants to remind you that they know more than you about coffee or like scoffs at you when you order something sweet or whatever. Like I hate that shit. And so does Brian. And I, you know, that was always one of our main goals is like, let's do whatever you want. Elevated cool. stuff that is really great quality with great service, but without the pretentiousness, you know? So that's a big part of it. And um, yeah, back to Locust, you know, I just, I like the casual relaxed vibe there. I love like the, the vibe of the staff. The I love how they, everybody serves everybody. Like yep. the chefs that are making the food are also the ones who are coming, taking your order. And like, it's not yep. just, hello, my name is Brad. I'll be taking care of you today. What would you like to, it's like, yeah. Hey man, this is our menu and it's just so laid back, but it's done so well. It's, yeah, so, it's done great. It's almost like, it doesn't feel it because you're kind of like, is this, 
it's kind of crazy around yeah. here, but everything is intentional. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily feel it in the moment till you're done and you go, Oh, well, that was a perfect experience. That was every, mm-hmm. it was different than normal. It was very laid back. The food was in, incredible. The yeah. music in the building, you're like, what the hell did we just listen to? Or you know it, or be like, it's just a, it's a whole vibe. Yeah. I just, I love that place. It's always the first thing I recommend to people when they ask for like, you know, a nice elevated dining experience here. We're going to take a short break to hear a word from our sponsors. We are so excited to partner with Corson Fire and Security. Let me tell you about Kevin Rose. He's my friend over at Corson Fire and Security. He's the restaurant specialist. So I know that you're thinking fire and security. Yeah, I get it. But hood suppression systems, fire alarm systems, emergency exit lighting, general fire products, fire extinguishers. Do your servers, do your bartenders, does everybody know how to use a fire extinguisher? One of the things that they want to do is they want to come in and educate your team on how to use everything. Are your the little caps on your fires, your hood system, are they in there because gosh when you cook grease gets in those you need to be checking on those things and this is what they do they come in they've got a a multi-point inspection they're going to find out whether or not you are safe and sound to go and they'll come in and proactively check on that for you this is something that's an afterthought to a lot of people they just have some company that comes in and they don't know what happens corson's going to explain everything to you they are amazing. You need to give Kevin Rose a call. His number is 615-974-2932. Another company we're really excited to partner with is Justice Industries and their number one company, Just.Glass. Let me tell you about them. They're a nonprofit and Justice Industries creates social enterprise businesses. What does that mean? I'll tell you. They seek to employ those who find it difficult to obtain and retain work because of barriers such as criminal history, addiction recovery, mental illness, domestic abuse, generational poverty. Yes, the people that are out there that are struggling the most, these people at Justice Industries, that's who they're going to hire. And they're going to hire them to work for their company, Just.Glass. Just.Glass will come to your home or your business. And what they do there is they will pick up your glass that you use from your bar, from whatever, any glass, and they will pick it up for recycling. So you're not only helping the earth, you're helping hire people that need jobs. This is the greatest thing in the world. And it is so easy to sign up. All you have to do is go to justiceindustries.org. Justiceindustries.org. You can sign up. You click one button, you can sign up to have Just.Glass come pick up your glass every single week. It is that easy. They are a nonprofit. They need your help. Go check them out right now. Our last ad here is Poached. Poached Jobs. Here is the cool thing about Poached right now. They are offering free hiring. You can do free posts for the month of September. All you have to do is go to NashvilleRestaurantRadio.com. You click the Sponsors tab and you go down and you click the Poached link and right there you can place any job that you've got within your restaurant for free for the month of September. Guys, it is already September the 12th. You need to get on there right now and continue posting. This is a big deal. Uh, if you're a, if you work out there, you're looking for a job. This is an amazing place to go. Go to NashvilleRestaurantRadio.com and you can click the sponsors tab. Go to Poached right now on Poached. I've got jobs from Martin's Barbecue. I've got uh, Salty and Sweet, Anchorhead Coffee, Santo, uh, the Farmhouse downtown. All kinds of uh, restaurants on here. You could be next, and it is 100% free. So if you're tired of spending all kinds of money on the other 
apps and all these other different things, you need to go right now to poach.com and you can get there free via link at nationalrestaurantradio.com. Click the sponsors tab again, poached for restaurants. I'm a big seafood guy because obviously growing up in Massachusetts. So that was one thing I was worried about living here. It's tough to get fresh seafood, but I do love the optimist and uh, you know, they take great care of us when we go there. And I love Henrietta red as well. Um, never a really Germantown favorites. Yeah, Germantown, you go. That's what I'm saying, man. Germantown, like they got it down. They, they really do. do. There's a lot of good places. I mean, there's places that have been there a while now too. city house, butcher town hall, just, they do great, great stuff. You know, um, I know Oku is very popular over by Optimist as well. Oku is um, wonderful. Yeah, it's a great vibe. Um, got a couple friends that work there. Actually, the staff is always really cool. Um, it's yeah, I have some um, some go to favorites that because you know a lot of people are going to say the same stuff like Locust and Bastion. It's great, obviously. You know, Elon. Yeah. Like, there's all these places that are just good. You know, and like everybody's gonna Audrey. Audrey's the, solid. Yeah, there's like a top seven of just like yeah, where everybody <laughs> just kind of agrees on what they are. But you know, on the day to day, you know, thanks to uh, Patrick, our, who owns Aberdeen, our other partner in Elegy, he turned me on to um, Taqueria Andrea, which is my favorite taco in town. I don't even know far. what this is. Oh my gosh, Taqueria Andrea? Andrea is incredible. Yeah, and uh, you know, I ate my weight in tacos when I lived in LA, obviously, and had some great options all around me wherever I was, whether it's Tacos Ariza or Taco Zone or Taco Azteca, all these places I was going. Guisados, you know, like it's great options. So coming here i was always like, oh, let me try to find the not not tacos, southern california you know? yeah. yeah exactly um and andrea is just like out of this world good just great authentic mexican where is it uh so the like the brick and mortar version of it is on dickerson and trinity it's on dickerson right before you get to trinity if you're going north and you're right it's like a little old house and there's a trailer in front and they they cook all the food in the trailer out front you can sit on the patio or inside the house and there's like another little place inside where you can get all these different like paletas and stuff and they're yes. all homemade it's incredible it's the, it's the only um, I'm sure people will have differing opinions on this, but it's the only good carnitas I've ever had in Nashville. Like really? real carnitas. Like half the time you get carnitas in Nashville, like this is pulled pork. You know what I mean? Like it's, oh, every time, <laughs> every time I go to a Mexican restaurant and I look at my wife and I go, should I roll the dice? And she's like, I don't know. Yeah, Cause yeah. you roll it. I call it rolling the dice. I'm going to have carnitas. We'll give it a shot. Well, I don't, we'll it's either it going to suck or it's going to be yeah. badass. I don't know. But I, I, yeah. I look at her and I go, Roll the dice. She's like, ah, oh, you're brave. Yeah. And I'm no, like, oh, we'll do dude, it today. The carnitas at Andrea is so good. They also have a truck that's on Gallatin. It's like Andrea number two, I think it's called. If you're going north on Gallatin, right before you get to Briley Parkway, where like the Home Depot's on your left. Yeah, yeah. And then you merge right under Briley to go down toward Opryland. Yeah. That last gas station on your right, there's a there's a truck in it before oh, you really? get to Briley, and that's the Andrea truck. Super solid as well. Um, love that. And besides that, my other favorite tacos are, um, uh, from garden fresh market in Madison. You go in the, the Mexican grocery store there, garden fresh, and you go to the back left corner and there's like a taqueria, um, like hot food counter. So thing. you're going legit. You're going like legit. 
yeah. taco, street tacos. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I'm not like a taco snob, but I'm not like, oh, it has to be like an authentic street taco to be good. I mean, I went to Lady Bird the other day with a buddy for lunch and had some great tacos. And that reminds me more of like a redheaded stranger vibe. It's like the Austin, yeah. Texas thing. And yeah. It was really, really good. You know, um, I'm not opposed to that style of taco. Uh, those guys. I welcome good. any and all tacos that are good and tasty. You know, both of those places, Redhead Stranger and Ladybird Tacos. The guys that run those places are super, super cool people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, just love. I love Redheaded Stranger too. Yeah. That's and uh, you know that and Audrey right next to each other. It's a great one-two punch. I mean, I I just I love what they do. Their um their green chili cheeseburger too is like low key one of the better burgers around. So you can see in here, I'll show you this. We had uh, the Bad Luck Burger, oh, yeah. the Bad Luck Burger Club in, and that's, they said that's my favorite burger in in town. So bad it bad is, it is fucking love, amazing, love those right? Guys. So they're both like two of my favorite people in the world. But while we're in the interview, they said, "I said, where's your favorite one?" And they said, "You got to try this place to go." And the green chili burger at Stranger's fantastic. And I go, yeah. "Yes, it is." And then we went, we actually after the interview, we went to Red Hat Stranger <laughs> yes. and we ordered like everything on the menu. We just grubbed together. Yes. But then next week, I had Brian Lee Weaver in and you see right next to the signature how brian put a little jab and he put best burger in nashville uh, at redheaded stranger <laughs> and then he signed his name right next to the bad luck burger guy <laughs> so he put a tiny little jab on the yeah, door there i that's love funny. it funny so there's, there's funny. they could come in and write second above it if they wanted to you <laughs> yes know? Well, they would they they will We'll, we'll definitely yeah. have them in again. The, the the best burger conversation is a really interesting one. We talk about it a lot on the road, obviously, when you're sitting around on a bus just gabbing about food or beverage, and we have a lot of opinionated people out with us on the road, so we get into these big discussions. We were doing a lot of grilling on the road this summer because um, catering at times was somewhat unsatisfactory, unfortunately, but uh, no dig at them. I mean, it's a really hard job to do and do well, so it is what it is, but... Um, you know, our a couple of our guys and our crew um, really just love grilling, and so we had this rig uh, that we had out with us: charcoal grill, um, a little cast iron pot, and then uh, Corey, who drives Shay's bus. I guess his sister worked for this other grill company, and he got us this like smoker and grill, uh, kind of like a Traeger situation. Yeah. I, I'm, I should be promoting the company, but I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, unfortunately. <laughs> but it was great. So we just had this full setup. So, you know, we're going out on weekends for shows, and we would set up, and we would be doing like smash burgers or chopped nice. cheese and like all sorts of different stuff. We did like brisket and ribs and all sorts of shit on the grill and we're just like hang out we're basically just having a cookout every you're having weekend. a cookout at the pit it was awesome do yeah. you hang out with the other bands when you get that many big name bands does like carly pierce ever saunter over like what are you guys cooking i'm it, hungry i mean it depends on the tour honestly this summer was a little different because it was so spread out and it was just one show a weekend, so it felt like we were just playing the same festival every weekend a lot of times. Yeah. Um, but everybody is friendly on the road, you know, and, and, you know, Kenny himself is, like, very inclusive about wanting people to, like, hang out and have a good time and, like, his kind of compound every night. And, you know, we have a pretty big crew of guys in our own world, and everybody gets along quite well. well when you we, guys get headline your own tour like that? Yeah, I mean, not not stadiums, but, you know, we, we did a really successful arena headliner last year. Yeah. And, you know, I think we're going back to headlining soon. And I always look forward to that because when it's like, quote unquote, your show, it's just a different experience. And, you know, you get to play longer and it's just, yeah, it's it's How fun. long do you guys play where you're opening? Because I hear like Dan and Shay, I hear Old Dominion. I yeah. think those bands are like... 
Those yeah, are big we, time draws in themselves to open yeah. for Kenny. I get, but like yeah. we played a, 65 minutes. It was a long set. Okay. Yeah. So it was fun. Um, good experience all in all, you know, um, we got to this by talking about burgers again. Um, I, I, I'm still fascinated by it though. Cause I mean, that's such yeah. a cool, I don't know. So many people, there's thousands of people that go to these shows. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I don't know how often they get to hear the drummer for the band that's getting up in front of, 60,000 yeah. people playing. I mean, do you get butterflies before that? I mean, not, not at all. No, you don't even, is it, do you get excited or is it just like, you're I get going excited. To, like, going to work? I definitely get excited from time to time. It's different. It varies. Just like going to work any, at any other job you have good days and bad days, you know, um, most of like our bad days are not usual people's bad days when it comes to like shows and stuff. Cause what does a bad day look like for you? You know, I don't know. I mean, I mean, you could have the external factors, of course, where it's Rain like there's bad something. weather on yeah. a summer festival type tour and, you know, it kind of dampens things literally and metaphorically. But, um, you know, there are those factors. But for me, it's just it has a lot to do with my mindset, I think. And um, lately, you know, I, I've been taking steps on my own to try and put myself in more of a position to succeed and be happy on the road. Um, I kind of, for the most part, stopped drinking before and during shows for the last couple of years. And that's been super helpful for me. Um, I've been drinking a lot less lately, like the last in general. several months. Cause yeah, I'm, I'm in the middle of marathon training right now. So I'm like way more conscious about what I'm consuming and how it affects me. And, um, you know, mentally speaking, there's a, there's a big tie between my mental health and the regularity with which I'm drinking alcohol. So I, I, lo I love it. Yeah. I'm sure you understand, you know, having quit drinking yourself and you experience the difference, right? It's incredible. Um, I'm, uh, I've always tried to be one of those, like all things in moderation people, you know, and I've gone through stretches of life where I've stopped drinking for a year at a time, year and a half, things like that. Then I come back to it and it's almost always to like sort of test myself or prove to myself that I can do it and that I'm in control of it and that it's not ever a problem or like a crutch, you know, cause if food can be that way too, for me, especially, I know it is for a lot of people where it's like a sort of a safety blanket. It's like you have a long stressful day and you're like, Oh, I'm just going to order a fucking pizza. You know what I mean? Like, sure. cause I love pizza and I, How you know, you not love pizza? it's the perfect food, but you know, if you eat pizza every day, it's going to catch up to you. If you drink every day, it's going to catch up to you. And if you find the ability to space it out and control your impulses, which is tough for me at times, but then you just appreciate it more, you know, absolutely. When, when it becomes a, a treat instead of a, an everyday crutch and, and drinking is a lot like that for me. You know, everybody goes through these ups and downs in life for sure. We've all been in ruts and we've all been at high points. And, you know, when you can kind of take a step back and analyze like, what are the things that I'm doing on a day-to-day -day basis that contribute to this being a high point for me? What am I doing? What habits am I, am I like allowing myself to to partake in that are creating the best version of myself. Right. And then listen to it. That's the other thing is like, actually act upon what yeah, you learn. Act upon it. Don't just so, Oh, I know that I should be doing this, but I won't do it. You know, like it comes back to what I was saying with this whole, like, you know, the creative thing, like a lot of creatives are, you know, we struggle, we have self-loathing, we have imposter syndrome. We know what we should do, what's good for us and what's best for us. And we don't do it because it's almost like a, you know, sticking it to ourselves sort of thing for whatever weird reason. So I'm trying to grow out of that in my, you know, later years here, I'm just like trying to learn about, you know, 
how to like love myself more and how to make decisions that like set me up for success more, you know? And I love that. It's all, no, that's, that's all part of the journey, you know? And how old it, are you? I'm 38. Okay. Yeah. So you're right so, there. Yeah, that's yeah. a good time to kind of do stuff. I just interviewed, um, you see the Dave Grohl book yep. and then I've got a book called beat the odds by a guy named Sandy Gennaro. Do you okay. know who Sandy Gennaro is? Not off the top of my head. No, he's a drummer. Okay. Taking all kinds of people on the show. Yeah. Uh, he was the drummer, the original drummer for Cindy Lauper. Oh, cool. So he recorded Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Yeah. You know, and he played, toured her. And then he toured with Joan Jett. Then he toured with the Monkees and Bo Diddley. Wow. So what a resume. Played drums for, but one of the things he said was, he goes, look, none of this is about me. Yeah. He goes, none of this, but he goes, I'm a, I was a good drummer in the fact that I just... I stayed in the background the whole time. Yeah. It was never about me. He goes, but that's my language right there. To be that's the drummer, thing, yeah. he goes, my job is to keep the rhythm throughout the show. Like I'm the one who's kind of here we go. I'm counting it off. I'm starting yeah. off, but then like I'm my job is just to keep the rhythm over here, hitting the hi hat. Just I'm keeping the rhythm. They're the performers. I'm just the one who <laughs> kind of keeps it all together. Yeah. And I, it hit me like the backbone. The, the backbone, but it was like this weird he had to have this self-realization to stop like i'm touring with these people to kind of go i have a role yeah and my role is in a support it's a, it's a supporting role and he was totally okay with that like and he was totally yeah. okay with that do you man i i that resonates with me so hard okay i was gonna say because it's yeah. when you're hired to be like but still that's yeah. a, it's freaking cool i don't know that that is a, a big part of how i feel and it and it took a while to get there i think and and to have that realization of like this is not about you my name is neither dan nor shay and despite like you know every band member in country their parents want to be like well, when are they going to show you more on tv you know like <laughs> stuff like that like uh, but I've told them from day one, I'm like, listen, like this is a job, you know? Yes. I'm like in a band with these guys that are my friends. We have a great time. We have great camaraderie. It feels like a band, but like, it's not a band. It's, these are, this is an artist, a duo, and we are the band that plays with them. And you know what I mean? Them, yeah. yeah. And they're, and they're great to us. And I'm super thankful for the job that I have with them. But at the end of the day, like when you look at it on papers, like it's a job, you know, I don't have to do all the extra stuff that they have to do and take the risks that they have to take. And, you know, it's just different. And, you know, there was a point where I really settled into my role with it because I'm, I'm the band leader as well, which in our camp really comes down to basically being the responsible guy in the band, being the band dad, yeah. you know, um, not so much the MD as it is in a lot of camps and country, especially the band leader often doubles as the MD. Uh, we don't really have an MD because Dan is an the MD? A musical director. Oh, Sorry. Okay, okay. Yeah. So Dan essentially is the MD and like show producer. I mean, Dan is the most hands-on guy in the country world, I would dare to say, you know, put him up against anybody. I mean, the dude's work ethic is insane and he has his hands on everything. So for me being the drummer and band leader is like being the responsible guy. And there have been times early on where like, you know, I faltered or I did irresponsible things and like, you know, drank too much the night before and like was hung over for a show. And then, 
you know, I hit a certain point where I was like, that's, that's not who I want to be. You know, I want to be the guy that everybody can rely on and depend upon because I'm not a kid anymore. And I got to stop acting like a kid because, you know, you find yourself in these environments that encourage, um, you know, ridiculous behavior sometimes and shenanigans. And it's, you know, easy to get caught up in that. But at a certain point, I had to sit back and say, oh, no, like, this is a job. Like, take it seriously. Be thankful you have it and figure out how to be the best at it and do your job well. And, like, my my job going out there on stage with them isn't to show the crowd how good of a drummer I am, you know? Like, it's to play for the song. It's to play perfectly every night and be the backbone and create the sort of base layer on the canvas for everybody to paint over and do their jobs well and set them up for success. Cause if I do that, well, they, and I play perfectly, everybody else plays better. They have a better show. It works out better for them long-term. It's good for everybody, you know, and then that trickles down into being better for me. And it's, you know, the, the standards by which I measure like my own success in that role have changed because it's not about me anymore, you know, and my, my go-to joke with like my parents and family, like when they always say like, you know, when are they going to like feature you guys more, whatever, you know, like I go, well, when we started, the band was called Dan Andrew Shea, but they thought it didn't really sound good. So they shortened Andrew to and and now it's just Dan and Shea. And they're always like, Dan Andrews. Oh, 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 okay. okay." That's my corny dad joke that I I say to my family members. But that's, you know, it's at the end of the day, it is, uh, you know, it's a really great job. And and I'm super thankful to do it. It's it's different than the last two situations I was in, but I came into it knowing that it would be. And it's, it requires a different approach and a different mindset, different set of responsibilities. Um, but the other really great thing about it is that it's afforded me this opportunity to take swings elsewhere in life that I wouldn't have been able to before. Um, the fact that now like I'm able to like sustain myself year round and be paid by them to play drums, um, but not play every day. It gives me a lot of time to pursue all this other to, stuff. To do I the do. Fox yeah. analogy yeah. and to do art and to run a marathon. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm quite literally a full time graphic designer. I mean, that's what I, I probably spend on any given day, 10 hours doing design work. Like wow. I would say, um, on average, um, I mostly design merchandise and logo and branding and album packaging and stuff like that. Uh, it, but that, that's that, gotta be fun. It's, it's a lot of fun. I get to work with a lot of artists that I love. Um, it's a really rewarding experience. And if it wasn't for Dan and Shay and the situation they've created for me to thrive in, I wouldn't have been able to do any of that stuff, you know? So Dave Grohl in his book, he said, uh, he was talking about the Foo Fighters. And somebody had asked him, did you have all these songs written? He goes, yeah, you know, I wrote songs. But, you know, the fastest way for a drummer to get fired is to say, hey, guys, I wrote a song. <laughs> you know? yeah. And in fact, like, yeah. like, let me write a song. And they're yeah. like, no, thank you. You're good. He goes, so I had these songs. Do you, another random fact. Do you know how long Nirvana was a band? Oh, gosh, probably like six years or something. Three and a half years. Three and a half the years. Entire thing, the entire thing, three and a half years. God. That's, I said six because that's how long The Clash was a band, which is pretty staggering as well. Three and a uh, half years. I can't, I can't believe that. And now so Foo much Fighters, Foo Fighters at 25 years. Yeah. 
I mean, but yeah. like he had these songs written and he knew that, and you mentioned earlier, you said another drummer who wants to be a front man. Do you want to be, a, do you have this, do you write songs? Do you want to be a front man? Do you want to do your own thing in a different genre? I mean, every drummer, I think inside somewhere wants to be a front man. You know, there are times when I think about it and go, oh man, it would be so cool to be able to do that. Cause I feel like I could do it, but that feeling might be a little irrational it's you know it wouldn't be anything like in the country world if i was to do it it would be something totally i don't, I don't even know what it would sound like do you write do you write songs do you have like a book that not you... much these days i used to write uh a lot i used to just write a lot of lyrics honestly i've always been a very lyrical guy like i said i, I went and pursued screenwriting for a couple of years and i've always been really into that so i've just always been a very uh very lyrical person um Never really wrote like a big bank of songs hoping like one day for my Dave Grohl moment or anything like that. You know, I did a little bit of co-writing for fun during the pandemic when everything was shut down. I just had more time on my hands, like did a couple of writing sessions with friends, which is, you know, rewarding in its own way. Just creating things again with people that I like, but I have no real designs on uh, doing that. And, you know, when I first moved to town, all my friends were doing it. And there was like a few months where I was like, yeah, I should do this too, because I feel like I could contribute, uh, you know, and be productive and like really be an asset for people. But then I had all these other things I wanted to do that nobody else was really doing. And I was like, why, why am I going to try to get my bit. foot in the door trying to write songs where all my friends are doing it better than I am? Probably I'll let them do that and I'll go figure out what I'm good at. And so that's, you know, kind of why I pivoted to that. There you go. You have a ton of tattoos. I do. I'm yeah. so jealous. <laughs> I have not one tattoo. Oh, next blanks. So and I, I want tattoos yeah. so bad. What do you what do you have working over here? Can you tell us about some of these? Do you have a really really good stories? You got a coffee mug on your leg. I got I got some stories. Yeah, the coffee mug is. What a can little, you share with that's us? A twin, that's a Twin Peaks reference. Which is one of my favorite shows of all time. Um, I've got what a was lot her of, name Laura. I've got a lot of uh, yeah Laura Palmer. Laura Palmer. Yeah, yeah. Laura Palmer. Yeah, yeah. Twin Peaks. Yeah, oh, great show that was. So good. I, I've got a lot of music inspired tattoos. To be honest. Um, All right. What do you got? I'm a sort of a walking billboard for my musical taste over the years because you know, like I said, I grew up as a punk rock kid. My my best friend Nick, uh, he only has one tattoo, and it was the first tattoo we both got. We got it together. We got a Pennywise tattoo. So nice. a Southern California punk rock band that we grew up really loving. Um, so that was my first musical tattoo. I've got a big portrait of Tom Petty here on my legs. You can see who is like, sorry, I don't know if you can see that on the camera there. We can see that on the camera. Yeah. Uh, love Tom Petty. It's one of my favorite songwriters. Did you ever get to time. meet him? Uh, sadly, no. I would have loved to. I did get to see him finally, which was amazing. But uh, I saw yeah. him on the Wildflowers tour at oh, Starwood Amphitheater. That's awesome. Which is a classic Nashville venue. Yes, that is classic. Um, gosh. So, yeah, I got a whole hodgepodge of stuff, to be honest. Um, this big part of this sleeve here is a musical-inspired one. It's sort of uh, inspired by a song called Music Box by a band called Thrice, which is a, uh, another California band, a post-hardcore, um, melodic post-hardcore band that was really, really influential to me, a big part of the reason why my first band started our band. We were lucky enough to do a couple tours with them, and 
you know, a couple of the guys have become friends of mine over the years, which is still crazy to me because I just love the band so much. They were such a seminal influence for me. Um, the I have I have some joke tattoos on my legs too. I have some like f- funny random stuff. I have a a Nevada license plate that says KFBR three nine two on it, which is a MacGruber reference. Uh, the Will Forte, yeah, yeah, yep. So it's a <laughs> reference to the movie MacGruber. Okay, uh, highly recommend. It. <laughs> anybody listening to go check that out it's probably my favorite comedy ever um i've got my most recent jokey tattoo i have on the back of my leg here it's a baby duck with his head caught in a stewed tomato and it's a reference to a sketch from a show called i think you should leave it's on netflix a guy called tim robinson really great writer and performer created the show there's two seasons of it on netflix he actually used to be a writer for snl for a number of years and was really? a performer for one season but all of his stuff was just a little too out there to really work for SNL. And then he was kind of given the reins to do his own show. And it's, it's incredible sketch comedy sort of, you know, if you like stuff that's in the world of sort of like Tim and Eric and things like I that, think you should it's leave. kind of adjacent. But yeah, I think you should right. leave. Highly recommend that. I will, anybody I will listening. catch that. Up. I had COVID the week before last and I was like, look, I put a tweet out over it. I was like, what should I watch? Tell, yeah. me, tell me what I'm just not watching we, a lot of we TV. We could do a whole separate podcast about film and TV. I mean, I'd talk to you for six hours about that. Um, the other, the, the weirdest joke tattoo I have, and it, it's a funny one. Um, <laughs> when I was growing up, my mom, I, I collected Pez dispensers my whole childhood. So I've got like no hundreds kidding. of Pez dispensers and a big That's uh, random. Tupperware. Yeah, super random. Um, they worth any money? I don't think so. But I'm just going to hold on to them in case they are one day, you know, good, good memory from childhood, you know. Um, So I had a sticker on my bedroom door um, that my mom gave me that said, you're not famous till they put your head on a Pez dispenser. Just like a corny, weird sticker. My mom probably bought at a gas station. But um, I resigned, like I said, over the years, I sort of resigned myself to not being a front man, not being famous and just settling into the job that I have and being what I call fame adjacent, uh, working for famous people and like, you know, really, uh, enjoying that role. So I thought, Oh, you know, it'll be a really funny tattoo. I'm going to get my head on a Pez dispenser because I know I'm never going to be famous and it would be a funny. And you have this. So yeah, on the back of my leg, I have my own head on a Pez dispenser. And the funny thing about it is that, uh, I would say on average, like two to three people a month when I'm, especially in the summer when I'm wearing shorts all the time, ask me, is that Kevin Smith on the back of your leg? Like Silent Bob? I'm like, no, <laughs> it's not. And then I, I usually just leave it at that because I don't want to have to tell the whole story. But every once in a while, people say, well, who, now who people is hear it? this. They'll know what that is. I'm now like, dude, I love the no, Pez dispenser with your head know. on it. Now they'll know. <laughs> How great was the movie Clerks, though? Oh, fantastic. Fan- we could they're, do, they're, we could uh, do. There's movie. another one coming out. Is there a new a new Clerks? Yeah, yeah. Well, Clerks two I thought was even funnier than the first Clerks. I watched that on an airplane on the way home from Germany one time, and I yeah. swear everybody else around me was like, "What's going on with this guy?" Stop! stop like laughing. I'm like crying, yeah. laughing at this stuff. Yeah. Clerks two was. Yeah, there's God, a, there a is movie. a trailer online. If you look up, there's a new one coming out. All right. Um, good yeah. stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So i've got, got a lot an owl and got you a, got some olives got a big owl clock over here it says time is on my side and uh i got that when i was on tour and i asked my mom for my birth time and i was like it'll be a cool thing to put on the clock like the time i was born 
And she told me and I got the tattoo. And then the next day she texted me and she was like, oh, sorry, I mixed up the time. That was Leslie's time. Your time was actually this. And I was like, that was like my sister's birth time. <laughs> and I was like, oh, cool. That's good thing. I didn't like get it tattooed on me or something, you know, but meanwhile I had. So yeah, that's my sister's <laughs> birth time and not mine. <laughs> so that's such yeah. a cool story. <laughs> that is such a cool story. So your sister was born at what, 1205, uh, 1206? Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> that could even be wrong. I don't know. My mom's memory is a little uh, shaky these days, but I was born funny at story, 216. What's your birthday? My birthday is May 7th. May 7th. Yep. And March 8th. March right 8th. There. All right. Yeah. Very nice. Well, okay. Man, we sure did talk a lot about restaurant stuff here. Yeah, this yeah, was right. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes these are my favorite interviews where we don't talk about restaurant stuff. But you yeah. know what? The good news is if you want to learn a ton about the Fox Bar and Cocktail Club, you can go listen. We did an episode with Laura Unterberg, yeah. who is your head bartender. Yes. And she spoke with um, Kayla Ellis and the Gospel of Cocktail podcast, which we put out here awesome. the week before last. So you can learn all about all the cocktails, that they change them monthly why they change them monthly, yeah. what they do, how they do it. You can learn all about that listening to Laura. And that girl is sharp as a tack. And she's amazing, huh? Man, I listened to that. And I was editing, listening to it. And I was like, God, this girl's amazing. Yeah. But she, you know what? And same thing with Kayla. I interviewed Kayla and I started talking. And I was like, this girl's a fucking pro. Mm -hmm. I mean, just like gets it, yeah. understands the business side of it, but understands hospitality and i think that's what you're going for is yeah. to run a really good business but understand that and i kind of consider hospitality do things for others that you don't have to do yeah go above and the beyond mile, yeah. yeah just do the stuff don't be like oh well, that's over there go get it like no go get it for them like make yeah. it special and laura gets that she and definitely does and one of the most common compliments that i get from people that come in and see the bar even if i'm out of town you know i've always telling people to come see it when they come to town. Obviously I have a very deep Rolodex of friends from music being in it for 20 years now. And pretty much unanimously, the thing they always say is like the details, like you guys nail the details. I'm like, great. That's what I want to hear. Good. Cause you know, that's really what sets you apart. I think it's just the little things, you know, a lot of people can figure out the basics about opening a bar or restaurant. Cause we've all been to a lot of bars and restaurants. And if you, said to any random person that's been dining out for most of their adult life, like write down on this piece of paper, like what are the things you would do if you open a bar? Like a lot of people would probably do a lot of the similar things, you know, you get a, a general idea of how things should run, but it's all about the details really. And Laura gets that very much. Uh, Kevin, our GM gets that. And Brian being intentional. That. Being intentional with everything. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not because true. we've always done it that way. When you open something, you can do every single thing specifically because yeah. that's why we want to do it because this and this and this and this and it's, it's yeah. pretty cool when you can keep that going absolutely and like kind of like with running the business um from an ownership standpoint it's just like you got to listen to people you got to be a little bit open-minded and flexible and be okay with the fact that not everything works and you know from a creative standpoint like for a bartender maybe you have a drink that's like your pride and joy that you worked on for three months and you put on the menu and it just doesn't go. And you get, it's sort of like a song on a record. You'd be like, man, I love that song. I can't believe it's like the worst streaming song on the record. You know, sometimes <laughs> you just gotta go, eh, you know, oh, well. like that is what it is. It means a lot to me. 
Yeah. And that's what's yeah. important for me. Like, totally. you know, totally. it's okay. They can't all be winners, you know? I, you know, it's funny because I do interviews and like this interview, right? I'm sure this interview will do really well, but like I have interviews. And I'm like, God, I love that interview. Like mm. I was completely engrossed in the moment. Like mm-hmm. the world could be falling around, but I was in that interview and it was so interesting to me. And then you put it out there and it's like, nine people you're like wow yeah, yeah. God, that was such a good interview come on like you guys are missing out. and you want to promote it but it's like that's not a name that everybody knows you know yeah. it wasn't brian lee weaver it was right this guy and like but he's well, a, that'll be the case with me when four people listen to this and they just hear <laughs> random stories about stone temple pilots like, <laughs> like andrew what Cook. am i doing with my time <laughs> well hopefully uh, i think people will listen to this and they'll be like oh it's not just brandon droning on about <laughs> operations in a restaurant you know like we can do that all day long i that's me talking sure. i could talk i love getting into these deep conversations but thank you thank you thank you for coming in spending the time uh we yeah, gotta do this again i'd love to one of the things we do at the end of our show is we have the gordon food service final thought oh uh-huh yeah, yeah. so yeah you get you get to take us out to the show whatever you want to say as long as you want to speak just the mic is yours you get to surmise the show whatever you want to say you're mm-hmm. speaking and, and we didn't get to talk about your marathon you've got a great cause behind your yeah. marathon that i'd love for you to talk about <clears throat> yeah um, maybe yeah. make that part of your final thought but whatever yeah. you want to say the mic is yours go cool well that's not intimidating at all uh <laughs> So yeah, I'll talk for a brief second about uh, this marathon that I'm training for right now, which is not something I ever thought I would do, but here we are, you know, 11 weeks or so into the training, um, running the New York City Marathon at the beginning of November It's part of Team Morgan Hoffman. And if you've never heard of Morgan before, I highly recommend you Google him, uh, really cool and inspiring dude. He's a PGA golfer. Uh, he was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy back in 2017 and was widely told by a lot of Western doctors, hey, like that might be it for you on the athletic side of things. You're probably never going to be able to build new muscle in your body. Uh, and when the pandemic hit, he went to Nepal. Uh, he started studying and practicing Eastern medicine that he was learning about over there came back having built new muscle in his body and completely transformed his way of thinking about health and wellness and decided that he was going to make that a big part of his journey and figuring out how to sort of spread that knowledge to other people. And uh, he moved to Costa Rica because he wanted to live in a blue zone and um, wanted to focus way more on his health and well-being. And uh, he bought Uh, some acreage down there with the intent of building this health and wellness center for people to come and get treated in ways that they might not through traditional Western practices here. So uh, long winded rant there, but you know, basically um, we have a charity team of runners and we're running the marathon and each of us are raising money through a donation page um, to raise money to help Morgan build the center in Costa Rica that will hopefully be helping a lot of people um, so if you do want to check that out and maybe donate a couple bucks to help a good cause, you know, uh, on my Instagram, which is Andrew Stephen cook, Stephen with a pH, not a V, um, you go to my feed. I've got a video of myself explaining on there in my bio. There's a link to the donation page and highly recommend, even if, you know, you don't want to donate, just look up Morgan, read about his story. It's a really cool and inspiring one. 
And, uh, you know, I think he's going to probably help a lot of people when hopefully I'm able to be a really, really, really tiny part in helping him achieve that goal. And at the same time, you know, it's been a really interesting experience for me so far. It's been pushing my personal limits. Um, it's not really something, like I said, that I thought I would be able to do at this stage in life. But a big part of the reason why I'm doing it is to prove to myself that I can do it. Um because a lot of times it's quite torturous, you know, and it's, you know, running in Nashville, uh, a lot of hills, a lot of hills, a lot of humidity and heat. So I've been getting up way earlier than I'm used to getting up. Like I've been a touring musician for 20 years. So, you know, <laughs> you keep a certain schedule, certain hours doing that kind of thing. So I've just been getting outside my comfort zone a lot, but I find that's been really good for me. And I think that's good for most people. And I guess maybe that's part of the final thought here is that like, you know, I think we should all as human beings be less afraid of getting outside of our comfort zone, learning new things, trying new practices and really listening to ourselves, our bodies and our minds and identifying the things that are working for you and the things that aren't working for you. And don't be afraid to cut ties with the things or even sometimes the people that aren't working for you and surround yourself with people that encourage you and make you want to be the best version of yourself just listen to yourself and trust and love yourself more. And that's something I've been trying to work on for a number of years now is loving myself, um, accepting love from other people, giving it back and just trying to be a more well-rounded person. And, and I've found that this experience has really um, been a good kick in the ass for me in that regard, you know, and it sort of improves everything else. You know, I've gone through phases of my life where I've exercised a ton and then stopped altogether and there's no comparing those times. You know, it's, you know, I'm, I'm not a crazy health guru or exercise nut by any means, but just a little something every day that gets the endorphins flowing and kind of wakes your brain up. There's, there's no substitute for that, you know, and it really impacts everything else in life. It impacts your workflow, your productivity, the way you interact with other people, um, and just sort of your general well-being and like sort of happiness levels on a day-to-day. Um, so it's, you know, it's been really positive. I'm not saying everybody needs to go out and uh, train to run a marathon by any means, but like just find the thing that works for you, maybe the thing that challenges you and try some new stuff and uh, don't be afraid to fail. <laughs> it's uh, it's almost like you've been listening to the show. And uh, <laughs> oh, I, I have something called Brandon's Book Club. Oh, cool. And I, I have a leadership group at the restaurant. And then this month, the book that we're reading is called The Comfort Crisis by Michael Easter. Have you read that book? I've not. Okay. It's called The Comfort Crisis. And the entire book is around your potential is this huge, your potential is limitless. Mm-hmm. And we live in this little circle. And you've got to get outside of your comfort zone. Get outside. Because when you come back, Back when you when you really challenge yourself, when you try really hard, I just talked about this with Chef Tomash a minute ago. When you really push yourself, everyday life's pretty easy. Yeah. When you really, you, we all live in this little seventy-two degree bubble, and we don't like it. The second we start feeling bored, we grab our phones and we yeah we comfort ourselves. Like get outside, get uncomfortable for a minute, push yourself, and you'd be amazed at what you can what you can do. And I love that self talk, like just that. If you wouldn't say something to somebody else, why would you say it to yourself? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay. Like be okay with who you are and step outside and learn these things. So really, 
really good stuff. One of the best final thoughts I think we've had here cool. in a long time. Man. All right. You just are on the spot there. Love you it. nailed it. Love it. Andrew oh. Cook. Thank you so much for joining us today. My and, pleasure. Uh, Thank you for having me. Really nice to meet you. And uh, what a fun conversation. Yeah, it's great. Well, we can do a whole other pod one day about film and TV. We'll do one about 90s rock. We'll get into some stuff. Let's do it, man. I love it. Awesome. Thanks Have for having me. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Yeah, man. Thanks. Me too. Big, big thank you goes out to Andrew Cook for joining us on the show. You should go visit him out at the Fox Bar, the Fox Bar and Cocktail Club out in East Nashville. You should go visit their lead bartender, Laura Unterberg, who joined us on our talking uh, on the uh, episode of the Gospel of Cocktail podcast with Kayla Ellis. Uh, we hope that you guys are being safe out there. Love you guys. Bye.